0: It's pretty exciting to see someone you know, a passionate, highly skilled athlete at the top of his game, competing in the sport they love on national TV. And that's just what happened in February 2020 when the DAC's assistant bowling manager, Perry Crowell, masterfully fought his way into the finals of the Professional Bowling Association's U.S. Open. Hi. I'm Kim Solarski, and on this episode of Heard in the Lobby, the official podcast of the Detroit Athletic Club, we're joined by Perry Crowell IV, known to many as PC4. Also on hand to talk about this incredible achievement and the role of bowling at the club, a pair of longtime members and veteran DAC bowlers, Harry Brooks and Mark Stackpole. Perry, thanks for being here. So bowling runs in your family. This is an interesting history. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
1: My parents own a bowling center in the state of Washington, so I grew up bowling, Um, you know, I started bowling at the age of three. Three? Yeah, so I started, um, you know, been around bowling my entire life. So, um, you know, bowling's kind of come natural. It's uh, something that my family's always done, so um, for me to say that I grew up a bowler is pretty much true. My parents are truly the people who shaped me into who I am today, Um, you know, with them, as hard as they worked to provide for me and my family, my brothers, um, the time and effort they put into their life and to provide for, for us was unreal. What they went through, you know, with, with the Bowling Center, they knew that, um, that was me, my brother, Cody, my brother, Colby, that was our life. That was our, that was our, um, Our passion, and they knew we loved that place. And when things weren't very good in 2008, 2009, um, you know, when things started to go down, um, they went out and got second jobs to to provide for us and then keep the Bowen Center open because they knew how much we loved that place. Um, To see them put as many hours in as they did. As many sleepless nights as my father had, you know with the business, um, I can't thank them enough and and as much as I wanted them to be there for the TV show just couldn't work just because they're on the west coast. they couldn't get a flight out, they couldn't get there in time. but um, I'm truly thankful for my parents. I can't thank them enough. I mean, they truly are the reason why that I'm here today.
0: When did you start to compete as a
2: bowler?
1: Um, I started competing, like, I did, like, youth tournaments when I was, like, 5, 6. Um, I actually had my first 200 game at the age of 6. Um, ah. So I've actually been um, competitive bowling, um, you know, nationally now for... Just about 10 years.
0: Wow, wow. And you did spend some time on the PBA tour a couple of years ago, I understand.
1: Yeah, well, right when I got out college, you know, 2015, 2016, I got my PBA card. Um, I tried going out there um, and bowling competitively against those guys, but it's very, very difficult.
0: And we'll talk a little bit more about that. You you tagged that in your, uh, your post-game interview on Fox Sports, so we'll, we'll touch on that a little bit later. Um, so how did this tournament unfold for you? You made a decision at some point that you were going to enter, not as an official PBA professional, without your card, as they say. So tell me about what made you decide to do that.
1: So the U.S. Open um, two years ago went from an open um, entry to the U.S. Open to an invite-only list. So they invite the top 50 um, money winners on the PBA Tour, uh, Team USA members. Collegiate, you know, bowlers who had success, open championship, um, successful bowlers. So I actually got the invite from being on Team USA last year in 2019. So for me, going into the event, um, it was one of those where I don't know if I'd ever get the opportunity to go back. So I decided I was going to go and um, you know make it, make a run at it, just one more time. Whatever happens, happens, and uh, we uh, had a, a dream come true.
0: Absolutely. Going into this, you knew you were going to be facing some really stiff competition. How did the the tournament unfold for you from the beginning to the conclusion?
1: So going into it, you know, these professional bowlers, they've uh, came off of just two majors back-to-back. So they bowled a lot of games. They've had, um, you know, bowling in really difficult conditions and so going into it, you know, I, was, I had nothing really to lose. I just wanted to, you know, either finish top half of the field or just kind of go through a check. So um, the tournament was 24 games of qualifying, eight games a day. Um, and I went in, I had really, you know, I was 20th after day two. So I was in a good spot because uh, I cut to the top 36. And, and you know, so we went to day three, and, and it was the hardest pattern that we bowled on. I didn't bowl very well. Um, ended up, you know, tying Walter Ray Williams Jr., who is considered to be be the greatest of all time in our sport and, um, you know, beat him in a one-game roll-off. And then at that point, you know, I really just was enjoying the moment because at that point I was getting a check and, um, you know, just kind of cut it loose from there. And then kind of momentum carried me from from that moment to the TV show.
0: When you go through so many matches in such a short period of time, tell me about your hands; these are your your tools, your artist mm-hmm. tools. You have strong hands. You're obviously very experienced, but there there is some wear and tear that goes on.
1: Absolutely, you know, um, through the first 24, you know, games of qualifying, my hand was pretty was fine. Um, then we went into on Friday, we went eight games, of what they call the casters round. So that's like the top 36, and then they cut down to top 24, which then uh, we go into 24 games of match play. So um, I, you know, prepared myself going into the tournament, you know, looking at bowling, you know, potentially 32 games for the week. But then, um, you know, once we got into the the match play portion of it, we ended up going 16 games a day pretty much from 9 a.m. till 9.30 at night. So it was like 12 hours of nonstop competitive bowling. So um, it's been a long time since I put that many games in in that frame, you know, time frame. So my hand definitely took abuse. Um, you know I had a couple cuts a couple tears a couple blisters calluses ripping open so you know at that point um, my hand definitely took some abuse.
0: Does that affect your play?
1: Um, No not really Um, you know just more or less kind of just getting through the pain you know once my hand kind of numbed up it was fine Um, being on the first couple shots that were pretty tentative during practice Um, but as soon as you know the ibuprofen kicked in and and the uh, you know the pain you know kind of numbed up. Then it was good to go from there, and, and adrenaline kicks in at that point too.
0: Yeah, I bet, I bet. You're you have a very competitive persona, and and at the club, I see you sometimes. You're very polite. You, you seem kind of quiet. We'll hear later from some of your uh, your fellows in the bowling program, um, but I was I was so excited to see you be so excited. You were obviously very focused on what you were doing, but then you were charging up the crowd, and uh, people were going nuts. People were holding signs up. Uh, let's listen in to a little bit of that narration from that part of the tournament.
3: Crowell in his first televised appearance on the PBA Tour. Just an amateur. An amateur has never won this tournament. Crowell opens up the third off a strike. What (laughs) a great shot
1: after having to sit for so long. That's pretty impressive stuff there, Rob. I
3: mean, that's impressive for a guy who's been on the Tour for a decade or or two. Much less an amateur who's the assistant manager at the Detroit Athletic Club.
1: You know I'm a very competitive you know person played sports growing up as a kid you know baseball um, basketball football played played everything so naturally I'm a very competitive person um, you know my personal life I'm very laid back very relaxed but in the heat of the moment here the competition you know I let my competitive juices get flowing and um, you know with living in Nebraska for 5 to 6 years, you know, I bowled in that bowling center very uh, very often in you know, a lot of tournaments, um, a lot of competitions. Um so I felt very comfortable there and when I get comfortable, that's when I really start to like let everything go because at that point, um I don't I don't really care what people think. Um so you know, kind of getting going with with the crowd because during the match play portion, not many people knew who I was because on my on the list, it had me you know build from Hoquiam, Washington, which is you know where I was born and raised. But um, people didn't know that I went to school in Nebraska at Midland University, which is about an hour north. So during the match play portion, I think people started to hear that I was um, fr- you know lived in Nebraska both collegially. and so I think as the match play portion got going, people started to slowly get behind me. And I decided I was going to feed off of that because at that point I'm exhausted. I'm mentally, you know, tired. So I decided that, you know, feed off the energy and help you get across the finish line.
0: Who all was there? You had to have some friends and family there, but were other people, folks that you didn't know who just sort of caught into the excitement?
1: So my little brother, Colby, he's going to school at Midland. Mm. So he was there all week. So it was kind of cool for me to, you know, I haven't seen him in a while, you know, living up here in Michigan, him down in Nebraska. You know, I saw him maybe once or twice, you know, in the last seven, eight months. So for me to to see him, it it was kind of cool to spend time with him. Um, You know, I had a couple people from Fremont that came down, you know, once or twice. But, um, you know, not very many people knew who I was there. But, um, you know, I think Colby started to meet some friends there and, and people started to get talking and and being able to, you know, kind of get those people behind me was pretty cool. My old coach came down too as well, so it was pretty cool to see everybody, you know, once again and and compete on a national stage and, you know, arguably the hardest tournament to win.
0: You came in fourth. uh, You competed mightily. Um, it, It was amazing to watch you do what you do best. And, of course, you wanted to win it all. But tell me, how satisfied were you with your performance?
1: Um, you know, I, honestly, I was, I was very, very happy, um, you know, going into, you know, that moment. Um, I used the phrase playing on house money because, I mean, I really had nothing to lose. Um, you know, so for me to go in there and just bowl on TV, you know, that's a, a childhood dream. Um, you know, always wanted to do that. I, with me not having my PBA card, I never thought it would happen. So for me to be on TV, no matter how it happens, I was going to be, you know, proud um, and very satisfied with my with my, you know, performance during the week. Um, you know, the first game was way unexpected because that never happens for like your first game on, on you know national TV. But um, it was it was fantastic. I mean, I really can't write it up any better than than what happened. Other than you know, climbing the ladder and taking home the green jacket and, and winning the U.S. Open.
0: Excellent. We'll be right back to continue this conversation in just a minute.
3: Now the early story tonight: Perry Crowell, the fourth, the amateur coming in as the five seed, won his opening match, just fell to Dick Allen, and Kimberly standing by with him.
0: Thanks, Rob. So Perry, not the way you wanted this day to end, but you made a major show. What's the chance you think of to come back and go pro again?
1: Well, I was on tour in 2016. Couldn't make it. It was very, very difficult. Um, You know, week in and week out, what these guys go through is um, very difficult. Um, I love my job, what I do at the Detroit Athletic Club. So uh, you might see me here doing a, uh, you know, a major stop or two. But other than that, I'll be going full-time on tour, unfortunately.
0: Well, how great was this crowd to you today?
1: It was awesome. You know, being around here for five, six years, um, Nebraska really is a good life.
0: It really is. Thank you so much for your time. We've been speaking with Perry Crowell IV, who finished in fourth place in the PBA U.S. Open. He was speaking to Kimberly Pressler of Fox Sports after failing to overcome Dick Allen, who went on to finish third place. Joining us now are longtime DAC members and bowlers, Harry Brooks and Mark Stackpool. Thanks for being here, gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you for having us. How heartwarming was it to hear Perry say he wasn't going to leave his day job at the DAC?
3: Mark? <laughs> uh, it, it's always reassuring to, to make sure that we keep uh, our treasure, Perry, but uh, I, I don't know if we could have been more proud. Um, it, it was a very unique, uh, almost surreal thing to, to see the chatter start as kind of a mumble and, uh, and come of a, some of us bowling degenerates. Uh, we're, we're emailing and chatting back and forth, and then all of a sudden the group joins from 4 to 12 to 20. To, to 50, to culminations of uh, literally groups joining each other for watching parties and, and even a party at, at a local uh, restaurant. So it was wonderful time.
2: Yeah, I happened to um, pick up on it on uh, Thursday. I think that was the hard day. And uh, um, it, it was really strange with, you know, standing there with Tom Reum and discussing what Perry was doing and he said well today's the hard day and he's done and he's tied with Walter Ray Williams and Tom looks at me and says if this pattern is as hard as it is they could end up tied for 36th and have to bowl off well I left went home that was 8 o'clock at night in the DAC and the next thing you know there's chatter going around about Perry beating Walter Ray. So um, it was very exciting. What was the
0: significance of that particular victory?
2: Well, you know, as um, Perry had talked about earlier, is is that Walter Ray, is he's been to the DAC, he knows us, um, but he is the greatest bowler of all time. Um, You know, Hall of Famer, um, and to have the tournament lay in a one-game roll-off, um, Perry has alluded to the fact that after his bowling that day, he got together with a couple of his college buddies and uh, were just chatting for a few hours and they have to go back out there and enroll. And it was you know pretty exciting to, to find out after the fact.
0: So what's it like to have Perry in our bowling center day in, day out?
2: Uh, he's a huge addition to our our program. Um, you know, for a long time we've had Tom Riome and and Scott Timko, and um, you know they've done what they can, but adding Perry into the mix is is broadened everything that the program can bring to the membership. Um, you know, and and the excitement that he brings that you know of his opportunities to be on the national stage of bowling, Team USA last year. He got a lot of support from the membership. Um, it really crescendoed for this event, um, as Mark had stated. Mark, um, any
0: thoughts on that? Yeah.
3: You know, what always surprises me as well is, is the fact that these gentlemen that, that have run the program, um, it, it was – It was very nice to see them welcome Perry with with open arms and and it's kind of a co-managed situation down there and it's a dynamic where all three of these pros bring something to our our bowling center. But to have the passion and the enthusiasm to cheer on our bowlers, whether they're a 120 average or a 220 average, um, Perry has really kind of broken out this year and started to take folks aside and maybe give them a tip or a pointer. Never overbearing, never trying to you know, one up someone. Um, the, you know, just that kind of that that humble, but but yet that confidence to assure someone, hey, you can do this, you can improve, keep taking it one shot at time, much much like we watched him do in, in his tournament games. But uh, you know, it, it really last year it started to kind of really popped when when he made the U.S. Olympic team, and then of course with this tournament victory, I think I don't think there's a bowler in our program that that, that doesn't know who PC4 is
0: at this point in time. Perry, how do you approach the various levels of bowlers we have at the club? I treat it as a unique situation with each bowler.
1: Um, You know, different skill sets, different talent levels, different experience levels create a different type of approach to a tip or a thought or a process for that bowler. You know, the 120 average bowler, I'm probably going to say something a little more basic, a little more... um, just kind of simple, simplify it for them to try to put it in terms where they can understand it because they're still learning the game. Then, like for example, like Mark and Harry here, been around bowling a lot longer. Their experience level, the experience level is much higher, and um, you know that tip might be a little bit more of a technical tip, which they can have an understanding with it. So, for me, being around bowling my entire life, I've dealt with multiple skill sets and talent levels um you know so i've adapted my own little coaching um persona of you know taking each individual situation as what it is and try to help improve them one way or another
0: how does it feel when you see folks progress
1: it's amazing i'm um, honestly it's it's more it's i get more satisfaction out of that than my own bowling truthfully because the um enjoyment that they get from the game is fantastic i mean i'm all about growing the sport of bowling outside of the you know inside the dac then outside the dac um, i'm always looking for ways to you know potentially help keep the sport going and keep
0: having going forward and, and potentially get back to the status it once was great let's check out one more clip from the national broadcast the dac they've got it up
3: right it's, now right they're all watching back there right yeah it's uh it's a tremendous facility and i know that uh um, Tom Rayum, who runs Tom, it over Tom there? Tom Ray- Rayum, who, who is the manager there. As we take a look at Chris Vise, Arsenal, phase two on the right lane. Idol Pearl on the left. But yeah, Tom is an amazing guy. We've done a lot of stuff there. <laughs> Holy Well,
2: Needless right. to say, next time you and I are in Detroit, A... You know where we're bowling, B. Yeah. You know where we're staying. C. You know where we're going for some lemonades as well. We, we've done several exhibitions there.
3: I I, I got to stay there um, one night. In my room overlooking the ballpark. It was
0: pretty cool. It was so cool to hear the DAC get such a enthusiastic shout out on national TV, wasn't it? Describe the importance of bowling at the DAC and where our club stands in the sport, Harry. I'm going to start that one with you.
2: The DAC is the largest private. Bowling program in the United States. Self-proclaimed, I'm not sure, but Tom Perry and, and Scott absolutely see what happens around the world or around the United States. But we, you know, with 14 men's leagues, four women's leagues, and four couples leagues, um, not to mention the the youth leagues that we have, it it is a big part of the DAC. Um, and the things that you get to do. Um, you know I didn't bowl when I joined the DAC. Um, my dad was a bowler. I never really went with him um, and I came into the DAC and my sponsor said only if you join the 530 Thursday League and I've never looked back. I really did it to bridge the gap between the two golf seasons. <laughs> but um you know, I have now after bowling for 30 years or almost 30 years, um think I'm more of a bowler than I am a golfer. So with Perry's help in uh this last year, he's given me one little tip that has escalated my um ability to score um, to new heights that I'm really not used to yet.
0: Oh, that's fantastic. Mark, what do you think?
2: Yeah, when when speaking to the – when they did the
3: shout-out on national TV, I had kind of a funny anecdote that I think I shared with Perry, but but maybe not with Harry and the rest. Um, we were actually on a family vacation in Florida, and uh, I, I said to my wife on, on Saturday night – She luckily it was a very relaxing vacation, so I was actually – I had been tracking this more than I care to admit on, online and on the computer, kind of watching it frame by frame and cheering him on day by day. But uh, I said, hey, what do you think about me flying flying? out to Nebraska and I'll sneak back tomorrow night and she said sure yeah if, if you want to be single go go right ahead and, t- <laughs> and take the trip so I knew I was going to have to find another way but uh, I was able to pull it up on an app online and we actually little, had a little family day at the beach and uh, we were searching for crabs and and then I kind of said, okay, guys, it's daddy time for about an hour. And it was funny because it wasn't too busy at the beach, but I had my little setup. And you would have you know, you thought I was watching a presidential debate because I think the, the group around us, and there was a group picnicking and having lunch around us, by by the end of the first game of the step ladder, there were about 20 people walking up, including little kids saying, how's Perry doing? Mm-hmm. So uh, that, that was kind of fun. And then, and then to hear the shout-out, I'm um, – I'm kind of a cheese. So, it, you know, it, it almost brought a tear to the eye. And, and the way he handled it, like a 20-year savvy veteran, uh, the second match maybe wasn't going exactly as he'd hoped. And, and to have the composure and wherewithal to to drop a few uh, notes, first and foremost, to his family, and then right after that to the DAC, it, it, I think it let all of us know exactly how he was feeling, and it was pretty cool.
0: Well, the bowling at the DAC goes almost all the way back to the beginning as I understand it predates the formation of the PBA itself and I've seen the photos on the way into the bowling center that show the uh the old club building and the covered porch where I understand that bowling first took place so it wasn't even an indoor sport for us at the very beginning so this is a long tradition Perry that you're stepping into what does that mean to you?
1: That's what kind of drew me down to the DAC, honestly. Um, You know, when I first took my first visit with Tom, you know, as an interview, you know, slash, uh, you know, tour of the place. um, You know, hearing the history of it and how strong the program still is was kind of the main reason why that I decided to jump into it. Because I am, you know, I would consider myself a bowling historian. Um, You know, so for me to to be a part of something that is one of the strongest things in the club um, and also in the, in the sport itself was was very humbling just to kind of be a part of it, and, you know, especially with, you know, the program predating the, you know, PBA and also it predated the, um, you know, governing body of bowling or USBC. So, you know, being a part of something that goes back, you know, 100 plus years is definitely something special to
0: be a part of. It is, isn't it? Isn't it? Gentlemen, I'm going to thank you at this point for coming to the Foundation Hotel Studio for this edition of Heard in the Lobby. This has been a really fun conversation, and uh, I look forward to spending more time in the Bowling Center. I came down the other day when we had a couple of guests, um, some of your your peers come down. Who were they?
1: Uh, we had E.J. Tackett, Marshall Kent, um, Ronnie Russell, and Andrew Anderson.
0: And what prompted that visit?
1: So Tom likes to do pro am in clinics at the DAC to kind of give something for our members, you know, so in a private setting where, you know, we're not at a public center where there's a hundred plus people there. You know, we try to get to a 16 to 24, you know, uh, member clinic. So um, the bowlers were down in Indianapolis, and so EJ and Ronnie are both from Indiana. Um, Andrew's from Holly, Michigan, and then my buddy Marshall, I grew up bowling against in Washington. So I kind of contacted them and. Ask if they want to come up for a you know a clinic and you know experience the DAC you know bowling center and, and with our members and you know have a clinic and hopefully get some you know more tips and help grow the sport here in the uh, DAC.
0: Fantastic. Thanks to our guests, Perry Crowell IV of the Bowling Center at the Detroit Athletic Club and DAC bowlers and longtime members Harry Brooks and Mark Stackpool. Here's a warm shout out to both the PBA and Fox Sports for use of their broadcast clips and to Tom Rium and Joe Palazzolo back at the club. We're also grateful to our engineer, Gabe Sayer and the Detroit Foundation Hotel. If you're enjoying this podcast or if you have an idea for a future episode, please let me know. Drop me a line at kims at thedac.com or send us a message via Facebook or Twitter. Heard in the Lobby is a production of the Detroit Athletic Club. We'll be back again soon with another episode. I'm Kim Solarski. Talk to you then.